Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was our finest. Today's episode of Petri Dish is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so that you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too. It's really easy. You just need to apply to become a member, and you're immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's at podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. <laughs> so, so what do you think of organs, huh? <laughs> wow, nice try. I mean, so as you guys maybe well know, if you've listened to our last episode on the scale of the human body, you know that humans, there our cells compile into these things called organs. These are kind of specialized creatures inside your body that pump <laughs> no. blood, that breathe air. This is a rough start to this episode. <laughs> Look, I think everyone knows about organs. Heart. Yeah. Kidney. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Captain Planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to start going through the Captain Planet things. Yeah. Wand. Um, <laughs> That's one of them, right? She, she was wind? Yeah. 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 I'm going to go with she was wind. Anyway, look, a lot of people in the United States of America are on an organ wait list. Right. Okay, there's over 100,000 people in the U.S., and they're just waiting around for an organ. Right. With over 80% of them being people needing a kidney. Wow. waiting for kidney transplants. Man, what's up with kidneys? Why are kidneys so capricious? Why are they always failing on us? That's kind of a good question. I think... In general, kidneys need to be doing a lot of work to filter out things. Like Velveeta. Is it the <laughs> American of. diet? I, no, <laughs> yeah, I think kidneys. so. I think that kidneys have to work overtime, especially in high-sodium diet situations. Right. And then also, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very passive-aggressive jab at me. <laughs> <laughs> Not that passive. <laughs> it's like, we're both sitting around eating a lot of ramen. It's, we're both, it's not true. great. In fact, I ate like a... A bag of Takis today, so... so <laughs> You're gonna die! It's not good. That's like all the stone in your kidney, though. It's like a <laughs> <Yeah>. Taki ball. <laughs> Doc's just like, oh, God, he has a Taki ball. <laughs> you can tell, because it's red. Yeah, it's like kicking like a pregnancy, dude. <laughs> you can sonogram that. And and also, I think a lot of drugs can actually damage the kidney as well, because right. a good number of them get filtered. Right. Opium, PCP, you know, <laughs> okay. all the drugs. I, I mean, all kinds of drugs, not right. just illicit drugs, but also right. pharmaceuticals. But basically... A lot of people need kidneys. Right. And then there's also people who need heart transplants, lung transplants, right. liver transplants. Yeah. Uh, penis people... transplants. There was sure. a successful penis transplant a couple years ago in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that one's not as hard. Uh, no, but usually dicks get rejected. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, I mean, really, like, it was the first time. Uh, and there's such demand, right? But in South Africa, like, this one, like, teenage kid is like, dong got like, 
uh, cut off during this ritual circumcision. And they did the first successful transplant of a penis. Why do you keep looking at that? <laughs> Stop looking at my dick. It wasn't I, I, me. I mean, <laughs> the penis is not as hard. <laughs> I mean, it has to start soft. <laughs> but, but, but like, uh, they did the transplant, right? And they told him not to fuck for two months. And then he fucked in, like, two weeks. And he said it was great. He was like, works like a charm. It was like this huge success story. I think I would have waited for the whole time period. I, I think you wouldn't have had a choice, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. they would have been like, does it work yet? You're like, I haven't had a chance. They're like, it was two years, man. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm the slow guy. Slow and steady, baby. <laughs> a lot of friend zone. Okay, so look. Yeah. A lot of these people need organs. Right, yes. Okay. But... You know, we, we all have kidneys. We got two of them. Right. So it must be really easy to just reach into someone else, get a kidney for that other person, right? I mean, hypothetically, your body can survive with just one kidney. Right. That is hypothetically possible. But even if you're healthy, the kidney needs to also be free of any kind of viruses or anything like that. Right. So you need to check to make sure that that's all okay. You don't want it to be too old. You don't want it to be physically damaged. Right. And you also need to make sure that as much as possible, it is immunotyped similarly to the person that's going to be receiving it. So the big takeaway then is that, I mean, and I think most of our listeners know this, but you have a lot of people who need organs. A lot of people die waiting for organs, right? There's just not enough organs. Organ, organ, organ! We need more organs. (laughs) Right. And so where can we get those extra kidneys and organs? China. (laughs) Was that the wrong answer? (laughs) That was not a great answer. (laughs) So that's what this episode is about, is what are some of the kind of future forward-looking things that people are trying to do so that we have more organs around to shove into The China answer is a backwards-looking answer. (laughs) Um, And it hurts more because it's a little true. Yeah, it's dangerously true. I don't like that, Nathan. You know, there was an X-Files episode that was about that. Uh, you remember the one? I think it's called Hell Money in season three. It's where uh, there's like the triad is doing these like kind of little gambling things. And if you lose, they take your organ. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And like ghosts came and got people. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't even remember why the ghosts were in it. Because it all made a lot of sense. And all of a sudden ghosts were killing people. X-Files. Anyway. So yeah. So let's talk about kind of new frontier edge. Fucking awesome. One division ways to make new organs. Chim chimini, chim chimini, chim chim chuo. That's from Pinocchio. No. Yeah, but the guy's name is Chim Chimini, right? The cricket. Jiminy Cricket. Oh. You were singing a song from Mary Poppins. Oh. Unrelated. That song is about chimneys. Right. You know, not cricket sounds. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of crickets. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. First one up. Xenotransplantation. Okay, very cool. So that sounds like Alien 7 or something. That's kind of a very intimidating word. Yeah, I guess because uh, Xenomorph, yeah. right, is the name of the big alien from the Alien series. Right. Uh, but in this case, Xenotransplantation is about transplanting something that is different from us, which is to say not human-to-human transplantation, right. but something else to human right. transplantation. Turns out our bodies are very xenophobic. <laughs> yeah. We, we, don't, we don't like that many... Because it's interesting, because we're about to talk about some really crazy shit. It seems like, just on its face, a bad idea to put, like, a chimp dick on me, right? Like... Well, so, 
very early on, they didn't quite know how bad an idea this was. Right, like, I, I guess that makes some sense. Like, you kind of assume a heart is a heart is a heart. You don't appreciate all the nuances of why your body wouldn't like a completely random heart. Right. So, right, yeah, it took a little while. Let's put a pig heart in there. Yeah, okay, so people have been trying to take animal organs and put them on and in humans right. for some time. I don't like to put on. It's <laughs> just like imagine a person walking around with a bunch of pig eyeballs on them. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> like jingle bells. Uh, I said on because one of the first solid examples for a physical solid organ. Right. Not blood. Because people have been injecting animal blood for a while. That was not great. Didn't help people very much. Right. But kind of one of the first solid things was in the 1800s, animal to human skin grafts. Okay. So in that case, get to put on the human. Okay. Right? And so the idea is like, oh, you have a person who has a skin wound, right? They got this big open wound area. Okay. It's like, okay, let's cover that up and let's kind of stitch on some animal skin. Gross. And we're talking sheep, rabbits, dogs, cats, rats, chickens, pigeons, and most popular, frogs. Wow, most popular, huh? Yeah, because a lot of that other stuff had fur Ah, right. And they're like, that's kind of weird. Right. You know? Frog skin, not weird. Uh, No fur, at least. Okay. So, you know, they'd grab some of the frog skin and they'd stitch it onto your wound and everything yeah. like that. It's like, interesting how human values change. Like, because I'm more comfortable with fur than in with frog skin, you know? Well, I mean, the mammals are more closely related to me. So, like, right. for me, I would have been like, hey, get me some of that warm blood But this shit. is popular in France. And so they were more close, <laughs> you know, you know, you see where I'm going. Ah, uh, the frogs. <laughs> um, anyway, so, frog skin. This, uh, you know, didn't work. Right. In the sense of, like... With a successful transplantation, the transplant then lives and continues to be there. Right. It's not like there were people walking around with, like, living frog skin on them. Right. What it might have done is cover up the wound. Yeah. Which, in 1800s time, is like... That is pretty good. Yeah, you're not doing that bad. Right. (laughs) So it seems like there's some documented cases of people healing just fine after getting this surgery. Right. But that doesn't mean that the transplant worked. Right. It just means that the wound was covered. Whatever gross thing was there dies. But then underneath, now you've got skin because you protected it from the elements, I suppose. Right. So that's what we had going on in the 1800s. Okay, so that's like gross, but that's not that gross. That's just like pretty gross. It's just kind of weird. Okay, but weird. like, I want to know about like putting in new ovaries, right? Oh, like, we'll I want to get invasive. Okay, so the first recorded corneal transplant. Okay, the cornea is in uh, your eyeballs. Okay, that's right? pretty gross. I'm uncomfortable with eye stuff. The human to human one happened in 1905. Okay. Okay, so taking a human's corneas, putting them into another human. Where okay. do you, where did you get the human cornea from? I mean, a person, of course, but was it like a dead person? Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Dead people eyeballs. Ugh. But. Like, 60 years before that. So, again, nicely in the 1800s. Yeah, the 1800s was, like, a bad time, dude. (laughs) We we did a lot of naughty things. Yeah. And invented Mormonism. Yeah. Well, that... Okay, so silver lining. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A guy tried corneal transplants in the 1800s from pigs to humans. Okay. Okay. That's Uh, pretty gross. He tried it twice. Okay. They did not pan out. Right. People basically, you know, were more or less blind, and they continued to be blind. Did, okay. Did not, did not At least they started blind. Yeah, I assume it didn't feel good either. But, right, sure. you know, I, I imagine there was some discomfort involved. But okay. essentially, the dude gave it a shot. Didn't work out. Okay. In the intervening time, people tried a bunch of different animals. Also did not work out. Right. But the dead human to living human transplant worked okay right. in 1905. 
There's actually one person tried rabbits to humans. Okay. And the person's eyesight got slightly better. Oh. They couldn't see very well, but they said everything looked cloudy. So, okay. okay, that's better than blind, I guess. Yeah. Okay, guys. but so the human, dead human to human one actually did work. Yeah, so one thing I'll say is out of a lot of different places in the body, the eye is like kind of immune privileged. Right. In that you don't have a lot of immune cells in your eye. Yeah, you're kind of teasing the main problem with a lot of these transplant situations, right? Right, yeah. yeah. A lot of the issues, it's going to end up being immune problems. They get cytoblasted, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. So then, we got this Russian dude. Okay. Living in Paris. Okay, I like that. Okay, in the 1920s. Okay, that was a real pervert time. Yeah, dude. Otto Spengler, the decline of the West. And he's like, you know, he's read about some of the skin and eyeball stuff, but it's not really like hitting it for him, right? Mm. Like his eyes are on the prize. He knows a lot of old dudes who want to kind of like revitalize their juices. Okay. We're talking about dick stuff. We're talking about dick stuff because these old dudes could not get it up anymore. And so this Russian dude wanted to come up with basically 1920s style Viagra. Do you, he do you to, think like, he was hanging out with like, do you think he's hanging out with like the surrealists and like the lost generation? <laughs> like him and like Ernest Hemingway, <laughs> Scott Fitzgerald, <laughs> Picasso, you know, they're all just running. Yeah, maybe Dali, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Dali needs help. This, this guy's got some of those ideas. Yeah, that's why there's a lot of weird eyeball stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. so the idea then, yeah. instead of eyeballs... Was just regular old balls. Right. Okay. He's like, okay, the balls are what secretes hormones and stuff that can make your dick go hard. Yeah. So what we need to be doing is get some of those good balls secreting hormone style stuff into these old guys. Okay. So what? You got to find dead young guy balls? Like where do you get the balls from? Yeah. It's just there's not that great a supply of young human balls. That's the first thing it's that just... falls off a dead human body. <laughs> so he's like, okay. Great. So I can't get young human balls. What about some chimpanzee or baboon balls? Okay. And then I will take those testes. Before we linger on how terrible that is. Yeah. You know, you, we can get so pessimistic about human nature. It's good that it's hard to find <laughs> transplantable human balls. Right? Like, yeah. that's a good thing. You know, I think we should linger. It's like, it's like. When someone stops at a stop sign, you're like, we don't reward this act of heroism. Sure. sure. <laughs> you know, Take like, a moment to appreciate that 1920s yeah. Paris, you couldn't just find jars oh. of <laughs> mail. Which you wouldn't think offhand. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. But okay, okay. So he's getting chip and baboon balls instead, which is also, yes. it, it, itself kind of terrifying. But Right. And okay. so he, then he would take the testes and he would slice out a wedge. Wow. Okay. okay. And then he would do a surgery on this old gentleman. Right. Go in there, slice out a corresponding wedge from his balls. Wow. And then insert in the baboon slice. Wow. Okay, and then stitch things back up, and then tell him to go along his merry way and try to get a boner. It's better than what he did with the other slices. <laughs> Saute him in butter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> a little truffle salt on there. There's, I mean, people be eating balls. That's true. I'm not usually chimp and baboon balls, yeah. but like bull testicles. That's Rocky Mountain oysters, yeah. That's what they're called, right? Are they called prairie oysters? Oh. They are called something oyster, though. <laughs> just, like, very misleading when you're just traveling through America. Yes. But, okay, okay, so he did that stuff. So that, like, of course didn't work, right? Like, that, like, these guys all died, right? Like, well, so what's interesting is that this procedure was apparently popular enough okay. to have been done hundreds of times 
on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. So it happened in the U.S. and in Europe. I'd say I'm surprised, but like people voted for Trump. Am I right? Like (laughs) (laughs) That's like a kick to the nuts. So what's crazy is that in terms of what probably happened is that wedge of baboon testicle probably died. Right. And then you probably had inflammation and a bunch of immune cells coming in to try to clean up the dead cells. It was probably pretty unpleasant. Based off of the reported testimonials, though, this procedure was awesome. Okay. There was a lot of old dudes who were like, my dick is as hard as the dickens right now for no good reason. (laughs) It's like, you can have so many thoughts and feelings (laughs) that you're overwhelmed. (laughs) I don't I'm speechless. (laughs) Again, I just want everyone to quietly appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, but that doesn't make any sense biologically, right? Not really, no. Okay. No, uh, I don't think any of us have any really good reason for why these dudes were popping boners right. more frequently than before. Right. It was probably psychosomatic. Right. But, hey, dude, I mean... If it works, it works, I guess. I, You know, it's just... If it was gonna be a psychosomatic thing, you'd hope that the thing that would kick it off would be something less than getting baboon testicles shoved inside of your own testicles. Yeah. Right? Do something less. Placebo. Take a pill. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like people who talk themselves into QAnon stuff because, like, now that they've bought into the Donald, right? Like, you would have to reckon with being huckstered. Sure. You, you know, you've like, taken damage. Now that you've spent this much money to put monkey in your balls, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got to work, right? Or like, <laughs> or, like, you're a jackass. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But there were some... A very happy people. There were some old hard dudes that really swore by it. That's probably how Warren Harden died. <laughs> Warren Harden fucking got necrotic balls. <laughs> but okay, okay. So doesn't make any sense biologically. Psychosomatically worked out for some guys. Right. Um, or there's some magic we don't know about yet. But you can't really scale this anyway, right? Like this was a fad. It died out. I mean, of course. I mean, I haven't heard about it. But right. it's a fad. It died out. Uh, there's just not that many baboon balls. That's true, right? too. Yeah. So, decades later, okay. in the 1960s, right. some surgeons tried putting baboon and chimpanzee kidneys into people. Gross. Because we were heading into a situation where there were a lot of people living long enough that they could die from organ failure. Right. But simultaneously, things like some diet changes and things like that meant that in the 60s, there were more and more people dying of kidney failure. Right. Radium water. <laughs> sure. Call back. Yes. No, yeah. but like, yeah, a lot of TV dinners... World War II, yeah, a lot of unhealthy well, habits. So, so, there, out of World so War there were people who were dying, and chronic dialysis wasn't a huge thing yet. It wasn't very widespread. You couldn't get it in a lot of places. Didn't we socialize that under Richard Nixon? Like now, like the government subsidizes all yeah. dialysis, right? Yeah, I can't remember if it was under Nixon, but dialysis is yeah. one of those things I, that was like, yeah, greatly expanded. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was Nixon, thanks to John Oliver's show. Nixon, fucking what a communist, am I right? EPA <laughs> opening up China. Just a freaking, just a commie red son of a bitch. As red as they come. God, man, makes Joe Biden look like Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of someone better. Right. That's okay. Joe um, Biden doesn't look like Hitler. <laughs> Not at all. Maybe with the little mustache. A little mustache. Um, so Someone get me a Sharpie. <laughs> human kidneys yeah. were in short supply. Yes. Because they always are. Right. It's hard to get your hands on them. Again, quiet moment of appreciation. Chronic dialysis, not widely available yet. Yeah. So this doctor was like, look, I'm seeing a lot of patients die. Right. I'm going to give this a shot. Right. 
So, with like a dozen people or so, he tried to install some uh, baboon and chimpanzee kidneys. Hardcore. Now, one of the things is that both chimpanzees and baboons are smaller than people are. Okay, And their bad. kidneys are much smaller than uh, our kidneys. Right, a lot and- less alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I guess alcohol... About the same amount of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it does some stuff to the kidneys, but the liver is what you're... Right, of course. Is the hardest. I'm so embarrassed. So, they took both kidneys out of the chimp or baboon mm. and installed both of them to replace one human kidney. What happened to the chimp? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You don't last long without your kidneys. Anyway, so people would be getting a couple of couple of chimp kidneys installed up and everything. Okay. So I see many problems here. First of all, how did the patients do? Right. So usually they would last about a couple of months. Okay. Well, that, I mean, hey, that's better than I expected. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I would say is that in the 1960s, our tools for controlling the immune system, which is right. kind of the major aspect of organ failure and rejection, right? our tools for They're that blunt. was... It was somewhat rudimentary. We it was didn't have basically a lot of just drugs. a tub of penicillin, right? <laughs> like you just had people submerge for an hour in penicillin. Well, I mean, the penicillin is an antibiotic, right? In this case, I'm talking about so immunosuppressants. So today. <laughs> immunosuppressants, right? what, what did we even have for immunosuppressants in, like, the 1960s? Uh, I don't know the names like Tabasco of Tabasco sauce? No. We had some drugs that could work as immunosuppressants, That's but cool. they were usually pretty strong. Right. And so... In some cases, they would just kind of wipe out your immune system to the point where you die of an opportunistic infection. Oh, wow. Or in some cases, the drugs did keep the immune system from doing anything, but could cause cells in the kidneys to die because the drug is too strong and had off-target effects. Do you ever feel like very aggrieved or like a victim, Sean? Because like you guys have been spending 60 years to really fine-tune pharmacology and medical techniques, and then people just turn around and vote for Q. <laughs> I mean, does that does that ever make you mad? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think though that that aspect of the there's kind of some blinders on like all the stuff that science has done for us. Right. But like we all feel it. You know what I mean? It, right. It's hard to remember on any given day that like that drug that someone's taking is something that like is an incredible advance. Right. In like a really short amount of human history. Right. And then, like, then you have people like Steve Jobs, you know, who, like, deserve to die, <laughs> right? Because they're like, I'm going to eat bananas. <laughs> I remember when he died of him, but it's just like, you know, you have cancer, and he's like, I'm going to eat bananas. <laughs> like my ancestors. He's dead now. <laughs> he is dead. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, anyway. That worked uh, out as we thought it would. Okay, so we, you know, had immunosuppressants, but they were kind of like a sledgehammer at the time. They weren't fine-tuned at all. People lasted a few months. Yeah, so almost everybody lasted a couple of months. One person, a school teacher, lasted nine months. That's cool. So they actually lasted long enough to go back to That's work. It's just that willpower to finish their lesson plan, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they made it back, you know, taught their kids a little bit, and then died in the classroom. Died in the classroom? Yeah. Wow, that's At work. Like... Yeah, they just, like, keeled over. Wow, that's very dramatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must have been a wild day for the kids. Poor kids, man. <laughs> so, uh... We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man! <laughs> 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 you fucking die! <laughs> <laughs> throwing pencils and erasers at them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, anyway. So, look, primates are not a super good size match for us in terms of... Right, organs. there's that. On top of that, there aren't that many primates out there. Right. Okay, we're definitely the most abundant primate. Right, so we have a supply <laughs> problem with us already. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not getting them out of the chimps <laughs> right. or the apes or anything. You know, it's just right, not happening. Right, right. And then lastly, because of the immune rejection component, 
which happens amongst humans. Right. Right. Even even amongst people, you can have your organs rejected because of immune problems. Right. Primates are pretty similar to us, but it's even easier for there to be rejection. Right. And it's hard for us to do anything about that in primates because our tools for like genetically modifying primates or doing anything like that are kind of rudimentary. Right. And primates take a long time to breed. Right. And so all genetic manipulations of primates. Right. Kind of tough. And then also ethics. We currently are continuing to wind down the process of using primates in medical studies. Primates are like the worst of all worlds. We're like, they don't fuck as much as humans. So we don't got enough of them. Right? So you already have the supply problem. And we feel pretty close to just as bad about killing them as we do about humans. So it's like, you feel like shit and you don't have enough of the organs anyway. Yep. Yeah, so that's like not even worth it. See, like, because to me, it seems intuitive. That, like, you would hope the immune system would be like, that's a baboon kidney. Right. <laughs> Get it out. Yeah. But, like, you know, I guess it's not necessarily intuitive, clearly, to hundreds of years of humans. I mean, in their defense, they didn't really know what the immune system was doing exactly. Why does the human body reject these organs? Yeah, so on a cell level, where you have the immune cells going right. This is, like, the size of a mall, right? Or is this the size of a small city? That was the, the... The entire cell was like a county. Okay, so Jacksonville, Florida. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> God, that's going to be very confusing to people who did not listen to the last episode. They need to go back and listen to it. Was that even the last episode or the episode before? I think it was the last episode. Okay. Anyway, so basically, immune cells need to have a way of recognizing what stuff in the body was made by the body. Because you want to be able to do things like recognize foreign invaders. Right. And that can be things like bacterial cells. Bacterial cells look really different from us, so right. it's kind of easy to tell. Right. All right. But you also want to be able to tell if there are infected cells from like a virus right. or something, right? Right. And in that case, it's not even really an outsider. Right. It's your cell, but subtly different. Right. right? And so that means that your body has a lot of checks to see if a cell is behaving properly and looks like all the other cells. Those checks usually are on the surface of the cell and they're proteins and sugars and things like that on the cell surface. And an immune cell will occasionally come by and check. Right. It's kind of like ID papers or something in some sort of panopticon kind of dystopian fascist In the dystopia, they walk up to a primate kidney and are like, whoa. Yeah, they're like, right. show me your papers. And right. then the primate kidney starts speaking in a different language. And they're <laughs> right. like, you're arrested. Right. And then you arrest the whole kidney and then you die. Right. But yeah. this is even a problem with other human kidneys. Right, exactly. And that's because you can have things ranging from sometimes blood type mismatches and right. stuff like that. But also things that are uh, called HLA right. isotypes. Right. And HLA is uh, it's the protein that's on all of our cells that constantly displays little bits of the proteins that we're making. Right. My body knows that anything that's not coated in orange chicken is not for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Yeah. It just surges for the orange chicken protein yeah. sticking out of all of your cells. Which is, in a way, really simple. I need an organ transplant. You take anyone's organ, you just put some orange chicken <laughs> on it. My body's it. tricked. <laughs> yeah. So that means that, yeah, your immune system, it's always going around. It's always checking for the papers and right. everything like that. Okay. And... Other humans' organs are almost never going to be a perfect match. Right. Okay? Identical twins will probably be a perfect match. Right. Siblings will maybe be a match. Right. Not necessarily. Right. But 
you know, even if you get a transplant from a sibling, a lot of times you're going to be on immunosuppressants anyway. Yeah. Right? So Usually the best match I've found is always like some 14-year-old healthy kid, and then it's like this whole movie about it. <laughs> you, know? you have a list of matches somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a list of 14-year-olds. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, well, let's take, let's take a break, because it turns out that even though chimps and baboons might not work, maybe pigs do. Yes, maybe pigs. Oink, oink, after the break. My name is Tyler Jerry. If you're like me, you have a diet that consists exclusively of snails and oysters. But if you want to survive into your sexy 60s, you need to diversify. You need some vegetables. And there's only one rock-hard sexy vegetable for you. Those are cabbages. That's right, cabbages. They're big balls of green. And they're the best way to get water in your mouth. Fuck drinking water like a pleb. You could eat it with cabbage. It's cheap, it's transportable, it's good in a stew. You could even throw blue cheese on it. That's right, blue cheese, the stinkiest cheese, straight from a Frenchman's foot. So don't wait. Go to your supermarket and buy yourself some cabbage. Paid for by Cabbage Groves of Wales, Northern Ireland, and Monaco. Okay, so how the fuck, or why the fuck are pigs a better option for growing organs than anything else? Yeah, so interestingly, in terms of size and shape, pig organs are a much closer match for humans than primates are. Interesting. Okay, okay. Or most primates that we'd be able to get our hands on. Right. Anyway. They just happen to have big uh, fucking organs. And then on top of that, Pigs are a domesticated animal, of right. which we have a lot of them. Right, we already make a bunch. We have a lot of experience breeding them. Right. And they have a much faster breeding cycle than non-human primates do. So okay. the time it takes for them to make piglets and then for them to grow up and then make the next generation of piglets is pretty quick. Okay, so that's all cool. It scales. But we still run into the problem of like, why wouldn't your body just reject some weird fucking pig organ? Yeah, and it absolutely would. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't ever used any kind of pig stuff in people. So, like, you can get valves right. for your heart, like heart valves and stuff like that, that are from pigs. Really? Yeah, but they're usually decellularized. They don't have pig cells in them anymore. Oh, okay. They're kind of the leftover extracellular stuff, proteins, collagen, different kinds of sugars and stuff like that that make wow. up kind of the actual like flappy flap mm. of, of the valve fucking nuts yeah i mean it is pretty wild that you know that kind of stuff already happens wow okay but in the case where you want to just like take hey a whole heart out or you want to take a whole pig kidney and you need to get it into a person right that will get rejected okay so is there anything that we can do to make that organ more human-like Tell me about the genetic engineering, baby. The genetic engineering. That is what it's all about. Ooh. I feel like somebody wrote about this in a book. Margaret Atwood, maybe? Uh, well, like Oryx and Crake or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that was like a whole thing. And guess what? It's happening, guys. Like awesome. that's, that's not just fiction. That's um, a smart Canadian. That is full-blown. And so not only is it conceptually an interesting idea to what if we went in and genetically modified pigs so that they don't make stuff that our body would recognize as foreign and do make the human protein version of certain proteins. Right. 
so that our immune cells would be kind of tricked into mm. thinking, oh, maybe these are just regular human cells. Okay. That's not just an idea. Those genetic modifications have been made to pigs. Okay. We have genetically modified pigs with those changes in them. That's cool. Does it work? Well, so, so far, we have tried them by taking pig organs and transplanting them into non-human primates. Okay. How's that going? Yeah, so right now, the longest that any of those organs has lasted is, I think, a heterotopic heart transplant lasted for, like, three years. Okay, I mean, that's probably pretty good, right? Like, a human heart probably gives out in two years or something, right? No, so, okay, so, for example, a human transplanted kidney usually lasts, like, 15 to 30 years. Oh, wow, okay. And the longest is, like, maybe 60 years, 65 years. Okay, so three years is not quite quite good enough yet no to make it a direct comparison the pig kidney into primate okay. transplant okay. was one year that okay. it lasted right. so one year compared to 15 to 30 years okay that sucks it's not great right what do we what do we got to do what's going on man well so at this what point do i gotta do <laughs> <laughs> who do i need to donate to an act blue so, so i want big kidneys why is lindsey graham still in the senate so first of all, there's about 26 different genetic modifications we've made to these pigs. Right. But in a lot of these cases, the pig will have one to three of those modifications. Cool. Okay. As in, like, there's a lot of people with a lot of different ideas on what would help. Right. And then there's pigs that have, you know, one specific change. And then a few pigs that have several. We don't know what the winning combo is out of those 26. Okay. Okay. Who knows how many of those... It will it take all 26 in there? You know, right. what, what does it take? And, you know, it's an interesting question because in some cases you're taking something away. For example, pigs on the surface of their cells have a sugar called alpha-gal. Okay. And alpha-gal really sets off our immune system. Right. A lot of mammals make it, but humans don't. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably one of the first things that the immune system notices. So one of the genetic modifications is to break the enzyme that makes that in pig cells. Right. And then other modifications are like, oh, we have human proteins like CD46, which our immune system recognizes as self. Or thrombomodulin, it's a protein that helps prevent blood clots. Okay. Okay. So, you know, like all of these things sound like reasonable ideas. Okay, but we just, just got to go through them and really see if they Yeah, work. and who knows what combo. Right. 26 modifications is a lot to do in one right. animal. You so, guys may you know. remember from permutations, you know, in math class. That's a billion different permutations. <laughs> well, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And so that's a lot of work to do. It might speed up because CRISPR is a much faster way of doing genetic modifications, or it's a lot more reliable. So Man, Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Jeez. Well, China is really big on CRISPR and yeah. also has a lot of pigs. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised spot. if they figure something out really quickly. Okay, well, um, hey, that's good. Yeah. You know, I've been watching this Chinese food documentary, and it's all about, like, the outer provinces that, you know, they kind of, like, trying to assimilate into Han culture. There's some politics there I don't want to get into. It's very controversial. But um, it looks so spiffy, man. I like want to get to like Chengdu and freak out in like Western China. Mm. And it bums me out that like China feels like one of those places like Tijuana <laughs> where like I really want someone who speaks the language. You know, oh, yeah, like sure. I don't want to go to China just like me and my virgin body. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, know nothing. You know, like I, but I, I like don't know anyone who's like really good at Mandarin and also wants to travel with me to Western mm, China. Yeah, yeah. Like I know some people who speak Mandarin. 
I don't want to travel with me to China. I do think you need a guide. I don't know if Tijuana is the right comparison. Dude, I'm not going to Tijuana <laughs> without speaking Spanish. <laughs> All right. Are you going um, to Tijuana? I don't. It's just it's very easy to go to, and there's a lot of gringos there. Yeah, but I feel like like people laugh at you. <laughs> it's not that I think Tijuana is dangerous. It's that I think people will be like, ah, look at that idiot. <laughs> but like, I won't know they're saying that. <laughs> All right. Because they'll be like, oh, you took Spanish in high school. They'll be like, look at that, like, look at that chino estupido man. <laughs> See, you just said it perfectly. You're going to be able to tell. <laughs> I feel I always, you know, we'll have Spanish-speaking customers come to the bar, and I'll be like, uh, uh, torta. I'll be like, uh, quieres torta? I torta think you know everything you need to do to be successful in Tijuana. You just walk around, you say, suadero! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Tacos de suadero? You, you saw? Oh, shit, that's Korean. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you fucked that up. They're so similar. It's confusing. <laughs> Korean and Spanish? Yeah, they both pronounce things the same way. No, that's Japanese and Spanish. <laughs> I'm so racist. <laughs> okay. Let's keep going. Yes. Anyway, the point is, look, to wrap it up to something that we did already say, the pig transplants into non-human primates, they have not lasted that long. Okay. Yeah. And in some, I mentioned the best case scenarios, a year, three years. Lungs, the last attempt at lungs lasted for five days before being rejected. Right. Okay. So clearly it's not something that we've completely figured out. Okay. But it's possible that a year, three years for a person who is on the transplant wait list. Right. And is getting close to death. They can get some donkey shit one and right. then like survive for long enough to get like some orphan die somewhere and they get some good one. I don't know why it had to be an orphan, but yes, okay, I mean, the right. idea is, yeah. Fine, you like this better? <laughs> a child who was loved and is now dead. <laughs> you feel better? That is better. Because <laughs> they got to experience love instead of being an orphan on the street like Oliver Twist. <laughs> um, anyway. Oh, boy. Look, so, yeah, maybe stalling, right, for one to three years and then getting a human transplant. Right. There's still like that you can right. still see the value of that. So, I think there are some proponents of this kind of thing that are actually saying, "Hey, maybe we should start clinical trials soon." Okay. okay? Because you know, 1 to 3 years, sure, that's not a completely matured technology. Right. The moral hazard here is like, I think where you're going, sure it's not mature, but like people are going to die that we could really plausibly save with this technology like pretty close to now. Right. So, there are people trying to get some small-scale phase one clinical trials going it's gonna be really awkward though if like you know you're not monitoring that person super well or something and like a year later they're teaching in the classroom they kill over and then the kids are like oh my god like what's going on it's silent there's this eerie sounds it tells and then ah! and then a pig just ah! it's like right out of the body <laughs> in human blood and it's like ah! it's like disgusting half pig creatures ah, me! <laughs> it eats the closest kid you can see how they're like all the fallout would be huge, Sean. That would be awkward. Yeah, PR disaster. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Okay, but like, so however, some people have allergies, Sean. Tell me about hypoallergenic <laughs> that's, organs. That's not what this means. <laughs> okay, so in the notes, the next thing we're talking about are allogeneic organs, okay? Yeah. And what that means... Allo. They're made of allo. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just these organs are more closely matched to the human that's going to be receiving them. Okay, cool. Okay. And so one idea for doing that is to try to grow organs using stem cells from the actual person who's going to receive the organ. I thought like once I'm an adult, 
Like, yeah, I have some stem cells, but they're not like that good juice stem cells. So we've gotten, I would say, relatively good now uh, of taking some of your regular ass cells yeah. and then reverting them into a more stem cell state. But then where's the fun? What? All the fun was the ethical question of what we should do with the fetuses. Ah, uh, yeah, just I'm took sorry. the fun out of it. The fetuses are out, out of there. Ugh. It's not involved. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. In case anyone wants to look this up for more information... They're called induced pluripotent stem cells, or Sexy. IPSCs. IPSC. Anyway, so... Okay. So, grow so, our own organs. That sounds great. Right. Now, how would you actually do that? Because organs are like complex structures, mm -hmm. you know, on like the micro scale. You can't right? just like get like a little like clay mold and then pour in the organ juice and then like it hardens into the heart you can't just do that i like that because that is somewhat similar oh shit to how we make pottery the second part of this that we're going to talk <laughs> oh, about okay awesome but this first part is a slightly different idea it's called decellularizing that sounds organ. like a bad thing to do to people <laughs> well <laughs> you do it to the organ of dead people oh okay less bad or pigs or whatever right okay, okay. cool so what the idea is, is you take an organ like a pig heart or a dead human heart, and you basically rinse it with a detergent. Okay. And the detergent washes away the cells. So there's no cells anymore. Now, again, conceptually, if I were back in middle school, maybe even high school, I'd be like, if you wash the cells away from an organ, what would be left over, right? But something that we've talked about a few times on this show is that there is something called the extracellular matrix. Okay. It's all this stuff secreted by cells, and it forms the scaffold of so many of our tissues and organs. It's a lot of, like, what physically makes up our tissues and organs besides the cells. Okay. Which kind of live in the scaffold. Okay, cool. So, you can decellularize an organ. For example, Nathan, I'm showing you this picture. That's a liver, and that's a decellularized liver. Okay. Okay. It, I mean, for you guys who can't see it, it's really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, it looks kind of ghostly and transparent now. Livers are normally this kind of brownish color. Sean, everyone's had foie gras, all right? We all know what livers look like. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, I actually haven't. I had a student who was like this rich 18-year-old kid, and he's like, yeah, it's pretty good, teacher. And I was like, get out of my classroom. <laughs> I hate everything you are. <laughs> and I went and hit McDonald's and cried. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's, ethically, much better than foie gras. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Just, just barely. <laughs> <laughs> so you use this mix of detergents and chemicals to wash away all of the cells from the organ. And you're just leaving behind protein and sugars. And they're just kind of hanging out in the shape of the organ. Right. Okay? It's kind of like if you put Republicans into Congress and you slowly take away everything about American democracy that works. And all you're left with is the building. <laughs> yeah, it's just, right. a, just an empty husk. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that idea then is... If the cells are what are attracting your immune system to reject the organ, hey, get rid of all the cells, just have the scaffold in the right shape, and then reseed in the stem cells yeah. that you got from the recipient. Okay, so well, that's a lot of cool words. That somehow sounds a lot harder than saying it. Yeah, it is much harder, okay? First of all, the decellularizing process, I talked about it kind of like washing, right? right? But you need to be careful about how hard you wash it. Yeah, you can't just throw some Mr. Myers on it. I Probably not. Yeah. That probably wouldn't wash it enough. Right. Okay. So you do want to try to remove all of the cells. For example, if we were using a pig heart 
in this situation. Right. You don't want any pig cells left over. Right. That'd be super awkward. The whole point of this process is to try to replace all of the pig cells with that person's human cells. Yeah. Okay. One pig cell, the jig is up. You mean it's going to be like, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, one pig cell we'd see, but it's really going to be just one. Right. Where you find one, there's probably a thousand waiting. Okay, cool. So you need to wash it strongly enough to get rid of all of those pig cells. Okay. But also you want to be a little bit gentle. Because, right. hey, you just dump bleach on there. Yeah. You're going to melt that organ. Okay? Right. <laughs> like, it's not going to be great. But, yeah, you know, even in the in-between, there are proteins that hang out in the ECM that are like growth factors. Right. And signals for what kinds of cells are supposed to be there that are important for the incoming stem cells to know what organ to turn into. Right. You got to be like Patrick Swayze behind Demi Moore in Ghost. Right. You got to, like, move your hands with such strength and yet such subtlety. Yeah. Not too hard. Not too soft. Right. Okay. And Just hard. the right amount. That's hard. Wait, what? <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> I'm hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, decellularizing, that's complicated. But then recellularizing afterward, getting the stem cells in there, having them turn into the right kinds of that's cells. That's pretty hard, too. That's also complicated. Right. You need to flow the cells in. They need to reach to all the parts of the organ properly. Right. right? And then once they're there, they need to decide to turn into the correct kind of cells. Or you need to turn them into the right kinds of cells and then put them in, in the right order or okay. something. There's lots of different kinds of cells in our organs. It's not just one kind. Right, sure. To make this work properly, you need to figure out how are you going to get the cells to turn into what they're supposed to be. Okay. To make a functional organ. Have we achieved this in any organs yet? Um, kind all- of. Okay, okay. Kind of. Okay. So the thing is that we've recellularized organs that we've decellularized. The thing is, they usually have a fraction of, like, the strength of the original organ. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we're talking, like, 2 to maybe 10% activity of what they're supposed to be. Right. And a lot of that is going to be because the cells did not turn completely into exactly the kind of cell that would make the organ work super efficiently. Right. Okay. Because organs are, on, like, a cell-to-cell, next-to-each-other basis, spatially organized in a specific way. Right. You'll have like certain cells that are doing job A and then certain cells that are doing job B and they're right next to each other. Yeah. It's difficult. It'd be like if you gave those same Republicans the Constitution and you told them, reconstruct American democracy. Well, they can't read. <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess it's like... <laughs> so, it's, it's hard to reconstruct something as complex and institutional as, as, as a hard or, or American democracy. That's true. Right. So... This still needs some work. Right. Still needs some work, but they are working on it. I would say it's not as close as just like getting some genetically modified pig organs. Right. But it's definitely that there are people working on it whose expressed aim is to get these into humans someday. Right. I mean, because the potential is really obvious. If you could actually get this working right, then like it would be way better than growing them in pigs. And something we sidestep is like, you know, I think both you and I are people who like are kind of hoping to play out the carnivore game. To, like, fake meat is as good as real meat. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of out the window for just breeding pigs for organs like an Oryx and Crake, right? Like, that book ends poorly for humans. Right, yeah. So, I think one aspect of that that's going to be a good segue into our next portion is, in this case, you still need a supply of organs to decellularize in the first place. And sure, maybe they could be from human corpses, or they could be from pigs or something, but you're still getting them from somewhere, right? right? But an alternative idea is 
instead of getting the scaffold by decellularizing stuff, what if you just 3D print the organ using a cool 3D printer guy? Nice. Okay. So let's jump into this very promising thing after the break. The following is an actual advertisement. If you enjoy space adventures featuring brave and competent astronauts. Can you give me a countdown to be ready? A three, two... If you enjoy podcasts that are culturally sensitive. I've been labeling stuff aboard the ship with post-its so she can learn a language. I speak English, you bloody... If you enjoy shows with sophisticated humor. Well, that's just rude. It's her spacesuit. Then you may not want to listen to Oz9. But if you simply enjoy giggling. Oh, <laughs> you anglers, so snooty about all the everythings. Oz9 may be the show for you. Get it wherever you find the other shows you like to put in your ears. That title is spelled O Z dash numeral nine. You could certainly do worse. Okay, so I'm I'm a Yang Gang kind of guy. I like me innovation, right? We can't retreat from the future, Sean. Wow. We gotta use the future to rewrite the rules of the means of production. Holy shit. Wow. Okay. Give me money per month. You know what I'm saying? What's he running for? Governor? He's running for mayor of New York. Mayor, yeah. I mean, I'm just shaking my head being like, dude, no one comes out of that job happy. Well, you don't want him to be the next Giuliani? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this this is not supposed to be a segment just about Andrew Yang. Okay. <laughs> it's about 3D printing. It's about 3D printing. Okay. okay. We can maybe talk about 3D printing for an episode or something like that someday. But the idea of a 3D printer is, well, see... There's lots of different kinds of 3D printers. In the case of printing organs, there are extruder-type 3D printers, yes. and they are additive printing. That means that you are adding material into the process instead of cutting it away. That's cool. And in this case, because you're trying to build something that's going to go into people, you use something called a bio-ink. Okay. Because printers use ink, right? and this 3D printer uses a bio-ink. Cool, Okay. And so the idea here is that the bioink is usually some kind of mix of the extracellular matrix stuff. Okay. The proteins and sugars that make up our organ scaffolds. Wow. And it's just in kind of like a gel form that's liquid at one temperature, but then will harden into kind of still sort of jelly-ish. I mean, organs aren't super solid. Right. right? But more solid form after they kind of finish the printing process. So some scientists have 3D printed a heart. Using basically two different bio inks and an extrusion 3D printer. Ha. Huh. I mean, did they actually transplant into anything? No. Right. So in this case, the for, for the proof it was of just concept. for basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so they wanted to make it as human as possible. Okay. But in order to make it at a scale where they could like reasonably do it in their lab and like with the amount of materials they had, they made it a small heart. Right. Something that like maybe they could have transplanted into like a rat or something like that. Okay. But basically, they had these two different bioinks. First thing that they did was they took some human cells, okay? And I think the main place where they took all of this stuff from in the person was the omentum. The omentum is this, like, big flap of fatty tissue that hangs off of your intestines. Gross. 
And so, you know, it is a tissue. It's got your cells in there. It's also got a lot of fat and it's got a lot of ECM. Okay. So they took some of that stuff and they're like, okay, the cells, we're going to turn them back into stem cells. We're going to revert them to the iPSCs we were just talking about. Okay. And then from the iPSC state, we're going to push them forward into being heart muscle cells. Cardiomyocytes is what they're called. And endothelial cells, which make up your blood vessels. Okay. So they did that. So now they have some human heart muscle cells and human blood vessel cells, both sourced from a person. Cool. All right. All right. And then they took more of that momentum and they turned it into bioink number one by decellularizing it. Okay. They washed out all the cell stuff. So it's just the goopy goop ECM now. Wow. They turned it into a gel. It's in their 3D printer. Cool. They mixed that with the cardiomyocytes. Yeah. So the heart muscle cells. So now heart muscle cells are hanging out in this goopy goop. Jeez, that should be Goop's next product. Oh. It's just heart jelly. Yeah. <laughs> and Ew. then bioink number two. This smells like my heart jelly is their next big candle. Yikes. <laughs> bioink number two was the endothelial cells. Those ones form heart vessels. Yeah. Mixed with gelatin. Yeah. So, bioink number one, like I said, it's got the ECM in there, the extracellular matrix. Right. That's mostly collagen. Okay. Okay. That one is a gel at room temperature, but it kind of solidifies a little bit at body temperature. Okay. Gelatin is kind of a gel at room temperature, but dissolves at body temperature, right? It, It turns liquid. Okay. So, they basically then 3D printed a heart. They 3D printed a heart by everywhere that they're supposed to be heart muscle, they used bioink number one. And everywhere there's supposed to be a big blood vessel, you know, a big artery or vein kind of thing, they printed with ink number two. All right. And at room temperature, that's a whole solid thing. Okay. But then when they heated it up to body temperature, all of the gelatin melted away, oh. leaving behind holes where the blood vessels are supposed to be. Right. Because oh, okay. blood vessels are actually, you know, hollow tubes. Right. right. Sure. So, using that process and having it be in a supported liquid, okay? Because most organs just under gravity, if there's no liquid around or anything like that, they'll just kind of crumple down sort of flat. Right. Right. So, in this case, they did the whole printing process and all that gel melting stuff in a suspension liquid. Wow. And this suspension liquid is a liquid that was made up of alginate microparticles mixed with xanthan gum. Wow. So it's kind of like this thick liquid that could like keep the heart in a heart shape and not Mm. like a deflated And then you just scoop some of that stuff out, throw it in a blender, some ice, and you got Frappuccino. Probably, honestly. I mean, alginate is a, it's a saccharide, it's a polysaccharide, a long sugar from brown algae. Dude, we're talking real talk, next Starbucks drink. (laughs) And I mean, alginate gets used in a lot of stuff. Yeah, dude. Heart alginate, Starbucks mocha frappuccino, dude. <laughs> and then xanthan gum, right, is a polysaccharide that's a product of uh, bacteria. Yeah. Well, anyway. So they managed to 3D print this little heart that had living human cardiomyocytes. That's pretty cool. And living human endothelial cells in the shape of the major blood vessels. Right. And they had it kind of, you know, in a suspension liquid. They were able to move it out of the suspension liquid and I got, I mean, got the pictures do right they there. have any clue if it would work or not, if it was actually in a human body? That's a great question. It would absolutely not work. Okay, why not? So, cardiomyocytes need to respond to electric signals to beat together. 
Right, that makes okay. sense. So it's like you would need to bring in the Pope to touch the heart, and it would start to beat because it'd have the spark of life. Right, kind right. of like Emperor Palpatine. Right, right, right. <laughs> Very similar to the Pope. One of the original antiheroes of the of, the, of New Hollywood. <laughs> so, um, and the heart is also seated with these cells called pacemaker cells. Right, that okay. are supposed to help keep the beat and coordinate the beat across the entire heart. Okay, Gross. what? Gross. Why? What? Pacemakers are gross. Oh, okay. it just makes me think Dick Cheney. Okay. Like you said a very you said a trigger word for me, Sean. Wow. Anyway, the point is, I'm pretty sure they made this heart aiming to look at viability. They wanted to see do the cells stay alive through the printing process. Okay. And does this idea for being able to make organs that have gaps in it work? Right. Because 3D printing under normal circumstances, it's hard to have just like kind of open gaps in there. Right. While you're kind of squeezing this gel out. Yeah. The gel would melt into holes and stuff like that. Right. Sure. So being able to make something that has holes all over it and inside of it, because there's the chambers of the heart, what conceptually complicated, they did manage to pull it off here. So they're pretty proud of that accomplishment. That's a good accomplishment. But definitely throughout the process, you need to train the cardiomyocytes so they do respond to signals appropriately. Right. So that is a big problem, unaddressed by this paper, but maybe in the future. And then another potential problem is that they put in the big blood vessels, but there's a lot of smaller blood vessels that come off of them. Like they put in the big veins and arteries. Right. There's little tiny ones that they haven't quite figured out how they want to do the printing for that yet. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how like, is this super promising? Like, this is, like, deaf gonna work, we just got more kinks to work out? Or is this kind of, like, you know, cool, but who knows? So that's a good question. This is the kind of thing where I could see them working on it for, like, another 50 years. Right. But I think at a certain point, if we're gonna keep needing organ transplants... Right, the demand's there. Yeah, I think... None of the other solutions are going to be so great that this one will become not something to keep shooting right. for. It's like, look, for thousands of years, we didn't have Coca-Cola. <laughs> we didn't even know how to get to it, but the demand was there yeah. for some cocaine-infused sugar drink. It was always there. Yeah, and so like people kept striving through alchemy, and we finally figured it out. It's like Aust- that with organ transplants. Australiopithecus <laughs> yeah, yeah. in its heart. Was like, <laughs> I need that cocaine sugar. The pain inside all primates <laughs> that it didn't really know what it was. Didn't know how to express that it. That yearning. Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, uh, amongst all these technologies, which do you think makes God the maddest? Is it 3D printing because we're most directly usurping his power to create human life? Or is it more the xenotransplant because he's clearly delineated species as different? And now we're muddling, fuddling that up. I think the genetically modified pigs. I yeah. think that one is like... It really ticks them off. It's kind of a sweet spot. God, the Bible's very clear. You don't do that. <laughs> He's like, what was the whole point of making that book? Oh, Leviticus, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thou shalt not grow organs and pigs. <laughs> All right. Well, you know... So you know, I... they don't even follow that in Reformed Judaism, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen my buddy eat bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, well, you know, I think this is a really exciting technology. It's not there yet, but I think we've almost presented it in sequence of, like, what would be coming next, right? Cool. Like, it might not take that long, 20 years to get through the regulatory process, 10, 20 years, for people to start getting some, like, stalling pig transplant organs. And I know the listeners here are thinking that's too late for me, right? I know I'm thinking that. 
Really? Yeah, but we got to have hope for the future, right? We have to still strive that our children in 10, 20 years, they'll be able to even, <laughs> even if we're gone. You're not even 30. <laughs> and I'm not going to get 40. And I think we both know it. Let's not let's not linger on morbid thoughts. Right? Uh, in any case, you know, so the decellularized stuff, 3D printing stuff, that's moving along quickly in terms of preclinical science, like in a lab. It's still got a long ways to go before we start putting any of that stuff into humans. Yeah. But it's out there. It's out there and they're working on it. Cool. Well, I want to thank Sean oh. and Science hey. for making organs and stuff. That's cool. All right. I'll take it. Uh, let's thank Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Brian and Griffin for art. You can reach us on Twitter at Dish Podcast and by email, PetriDishPod at gmail.com. You can give us money at yeah. Patreon.com slash PetriDish. Woo! Free organs. Mm. <laughs> you, can, you can get on the ground floor. Oh, shit. Okay, buy shares in Petrie Organ. You know? Our next company. Beautiful. Yeah. LLC. All right, and we will see you all next time. Very limited liability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>